that's all right. The folks who need to be here are here, and the folks who will pick up on the word later on will do so, and God knows how to reach us. But, um, you know, I'd invite you guys to come, if you, if you don't mind, just come in a little closer. If, if you just don't mind, just come on in a little closer. Come on down. Shake it up. Get out of your normal seats. Um, there's something about when the body comes together, and I mean like together, together, you know, not just under the same roof, but um, we get closer and, and uh, just have a more of a, an intimate setting. And I think God has uh, something to impart to us tonight that, that if we can get a hold of it together, it's going to um, change your walk with the Lord. Like, I mean, really, seriously change your walk with the Lord. Um, and uh, I want to make sure that we have an atmosphere where we can hear the Spirit of God uh, talking to each one of you as he needs to and through this general message that I'll bring uh, as he's put it on my heart. But I don't know about you guys, but this has been a crazy day and a crazy week, and my mind is... Uh, in a blender, <laughs> which in some respects is good because now I'm not going to rely on my mind. I'm going to rely on the leading of this Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And, uh, and uh, you know, I need you guys to do the same. So maybe your, your mind is fine, but your body's ready to fall asleep. <laughs> you just stay awake too uh, as we enter into his word together. But let's, let's just spend a, 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 some time here in prayer because, Father, you are so, so wonderful you're so wonderful, Lord. You are powerful and mighty and uh, patient and kind. Your mercies are new every morning. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us, and you're here in our midst tonight. You're here present with us, fellowshipping with us, teaching us, leading us, uh, nurturing us as a father would do his children. You're chastising us where we need that, Lord. Whatever it is that you want to do by your spirit. We, we, we open up our hearts as the bird in the nest and anxious for that next meal that his, his parent brings. We open our hearts to you to fill it. To fill it with your truth. To fill it with your love to fill it with your peace, to fill us with your joy. Just being in your presence and worshiping you and, and honoring you tonight, we're bowing our souls and our spirits to you and our bodies in submission to that. That you, as we are in the palm of your hand, would breathe a fresh breath of life into us, pour a fresh anointing of oil onto us, and stir us up and shake us and make us into the image of your son tonight. The son of your love. Thank you, Father. Bless us as we listen. Bless us as we learn. Bless us as I teach and speak tonight. Anoint this, the scriptures that we share. Let them come alive in our hearts in new ways. 
that only you can do, Lord. We're not here by tradition or religion or or obligation. We're here because we love you. We're here because we love you and we want more of you. And so we thank you for all that you're going to do tonight, Lord. And that we'll leave here changed as a result. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, Mike uh, Liberty, our, our media director, is doing triple duty tonight, and he's going to help scroll the scriptures. He's going to help run the live stream, and I think there's a third thing he does in all of this. So, so if the scriptures delay a little bit, uh, we'll give him grace and patience, uh, just as our Lord gives that to us, uh, but they will be up on the screen. We're going to get back into Colossians tonight, so if you have your Bibles, you can open those up to the book of Colossians, and this will be part two of uh, the message I started last month called Raised in Christ. Raised in Christ. And uh, so there was a lot in Colossians that we touched on, particularly in the first two chapters. I'm going to review those. And uh, then we're going to dig further into chapter 3. And it's in this part that, that we get our title, Raised with Christ. So let's read the, the group of scriptures that I started with last time. And this is in uh, Colossians chapter 3. We'll start with chapter 3. And we'll read the first 17 uh, verses. So it says, um, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now, you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called, in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So a number of the epistles that we read, particularly those by Paul, they typically have these kinds of lists of of do this, don't do that, can't you read the signs? You know, you kind of get that sense, right? It's like do these things, don't do those things, and then you'll be good. And so oftentimes when I read these epistles, I, I, I begin to think, okay, I'll make these rules of bad behaviors and these rules of good behaviors, and I'll try to focus on the good ones. 
Um, but as we go through the message tonight, you're going to see that that's not what he's saying. And that's why I say this might well be life-changing for us if we can get a hold of this. But, but let's start by getting a little bit of a review, going back into what we touched on last, last month um, as, uh, as we leaketh, you know, as Pastor Sam would say. We want to fill ourselves back up, and there's some really important aspects of this letter to have it in context. Uh, it's dangerous to take one portion of Scripture out of the context of the letter as a whole. Uh, so you want to make sure you realize, realize what the intent was of the letter as we go through. So, so in chapter uh, 3, of course, we have this beginning verse of verse 1. It says, in the, if, then, if then you were raised with Christ. That's where we get our title from. This is the focus of our, of our study. And so we all say, yeah, we've been raised with Christ. We get that. Uh, but why doesn't it feel that way? Why is this like a, you know, it just doesn't seem like my life is a whole lot different other than maybe a little bit cleaned up. But, but we need to understand that we have been raised with Christ, and we touched on this last time. So, so we're going we're gonna to review this. So, so the first thing we're going to do is go back to chapter 1 uh, in Colossians chapter 1, and we'll start with 13, 14. This is going to be a condensed review, so I'm not going to do the whole last week's message there, last month's message. That, that, we don't have time for that. Um, but I'm going to highlight some key things here. and We'll start with uh, chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14. Because remember, Paul now, he's writing to the book in Colossae, or to the church in Colossae, and he's saying to them, listen, it's, it's Christ. It's not Christ and something else. It's not Christ and Judaism. It's not Christ and paganism. Not Christ and worship of angels. Christ and Christ alone. And he's, he, he, he's probably not seen these, this group of believers. Um, the gospel is spreading, of course, and he hasn't been everywhere. Uh, but he's writing to them to really emphasize what the gospel is, first and foremost. And, and saints, if I can emphasize one thing tonight, rehearse the gospel. Rehearse it always in your mind. Refresh yourself in what Jesus has done for you. You know, because you start to take it for granted after a while as you pursue these deeper aspects of the Lord, and you lose sight of it. And then when it comes time to share the gospel, you're like, oh, well, uh, and you don't really quite know with gusto and with confidence how to say it because you haven't been rehearsing yourself. Or worse, what happens is, is the world sinks in on you, and the, and the cares of this world become o- oppressive, and, and you lose sight of the glory of God and how he saved you from all of this and changed your course forever. So rehearsing the gospel is so important. So in 13 uh, of First Corinthians, uh, sorry, Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. I mean, right there, right? I mean, we could just dwell on that. <laughs> he's delivered us, delivered us from the power of darkness. And not only that, but he's conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So, so know this, that in Christ you have been redeemed. It's, it's done. You have that. And again, this is you know, Christianity 101, but it's something that we need to rehearse and refresh ourselves in. As most of you I, I know have been doing this for years. Uh, know that you've been redeemed. You, you, the blood of Jesus was shed for you. For you. And for me. And, and it poured out, out onto the ground for us, but it paid that price that was due for our sins. And it washed us away, washed our sins away. Right? So, so not only did it deliver us from that power that the world's leader had over us, that power of darkness, we've been redeemed from that. The blood has delivered us from that. And, and now it's conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So, so now we have a king. 
This is the kingdom of, the kingdom that belongs to Jesus. Jesus is our king. And uh, so we've been redeemed by him because the price was paid. Always be rehearsing this. In, in chapter 1 of Colossians in 21 through 23, the theme continues here. Uh, and Paul says, he says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and now you are reconciled back to a right relationship with God. I mean, this is the creator of the universe. This is the God who's holy. There's no unrighteousness in him at all. And yet you've been reconciled, put back in right relationship with the Father because of the death of the Son. Things to celebrate. These are the things that make you whole and full. So, so the Apostle Paul is laying this foundation and says, this is enough for you. This is the thing that you need to have faith in. You need to walk in this uh, as, as we carry this out. So you've been reconciled. Uh, once an enemy with God, and now you are a child of God. Uh, you've been reconnected with him. And so, so how did this happen? It happened in Christ, in the body of his flesh, in, in the death of his flesh. So there was a death that took place to reconcile you back into the, into the Father's presence. And, and if he died, then we died with him, so we could be made alive with him. These are the points that Paul is bringing out. So in Christ we've been redeemed, in Christ we've been reconciled, and now we see further on in chapter 2 that in Christ we're, we are complete, or, or I think a better word, replete uh, in him. So the word replete is not one we use much in our language or conversation today, but it basically means fully, abundantly provided or filled in Christ. We're complete, but we're also replete in that we're complete and abundantly uh, filled. So Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he exhorts us to live as Christ lives. So if you look at Colossians chapter 2, and again, we're still in our review here uh, from the prior week. And we'll go to cha- uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and uh, we'll pick it up from there. So as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Next verse. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and uh, uh, not according to Christ. So, so there's a step that we have to take here, which is to receive Christ. Back in verse 6, if you could uh, go back to, uh, to verse 6. We see that as you therefore have received, there's a step that we have to take, which is to receive Christ. So if you have not yet received Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, we will give you that opportunity at the end of the night. But you need to take that step in faith, first of all, to receive Christ as Lord. Now, if he's our Lord and our King, then we need to submit to him and follow him. And so verse 7 tells us that we need to be rooted and built up in him as you've been taught, and abounding in it in thanksgiving. So there's some obedience and submission that comes with receiving Christ as Lord. And then verse 8, he warns us not to be cheated out of this, this wonderful, wonderful life that, that we've been told. The basic principles of, our, of, of the gospel can be drawn away from you. 
Um, so how can that happen that it can be drawn away from us? Well, well, he, he kind of lays it out here. He says, look, watch out for the philosophy and empty deceit. He says in verse 8, watch out for the traditions of men that are not of God. And, and, and watch out for the principles uh, that are the worldly principles that are contrary to Christ. So I, I ask you this. Have you, have you encountered that? Do we see that in the Christian world today that, that we're drawn away from the, 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 the richness of the gospel by these things? You know, I, I think the answer is clear. <laughs> you know, if you look at the division within the body of Christ and, and the division within what's called Christianity, it, it's astonishing. Right, from, the, from the truth of the wholeness of the gospel, how is it that we've gotten so splintered? Why are there so many denominations, for example? I mean, the Bible doesn't say there shouldn't be denominations, but what it doesn't want is division. Right? So this is one body, one Christ, one Lord. Uh, so, so there shouldn't be divisions. But what happens is, is that there's a move of God at a certain period of time within a certain group of people. And this move is mighty and it's powerful and it's life-changing and it's wonderful and it draws people in. And people come and grow with their relationship with Christ. And, and so the leaders within that group begin to look at this situation and go, wow, look what God's doing here. And look at how it started. It started with this prayer and that prophecy and this evangelistic movement. So let's repeat that. And so they start to institutionalize the things that God had led them to do. That's not necessarily bad if they're following after God, if they're following after the head of the church who is Christ. And so in, with all good intention, these leaders will start to, to make this a doctrine that isn't necessarily the doctrine that God has given him. And then so eventually what happens is, is, is what seems to be that the Spirit of God lifts from that movement. Now, it doesn't mean that God ever left. He never leaves us or forsakes us, right? But it seems like he's drawn away, and the leaders in, in the group will, will double down on the things they think they did to make this happen. And then they build a church body around it and doctrines and traditions of men, which makes the gospel of no effect. And then another hundred years go by and another move starts and you see this sort of thing happen over and over again. And it can happen even in, in, in dare I say, the faith movement where, you know, you see some people standing on the word and seeing miracles happen and then we start to institutionalize that. Not to say there's anything wrong with the faith movement, but it's wrong if you're starting to make it a doctrine of men and you lost sight of the love of God in the process. So we're at risk of those things. All of us can be at risk. So we need to be rooted and grounded in the gospel of Christ, in the purity of the, and the wholeness of the gospel of Christ. And these other things that God calls us to do in times and seasons are the things we want to follow after as he leads us. So it's important to recognize that we can be drawn away in verse 8 uh, by... by by worldly principles or social norms. Oh, well, this is so much more acceptable now than it was in the 1950s. And you can think about a whole host of things that you never saw on TV in the 1950s. Not that I ever saw TV at that age because I wasn't in the 1950s, but you get my point, right? Uh, I mean, I think you can confirm, but Lucy and Ricky couldn't be in the same bed together, right, in the 1950s, and now you can't watch any show without seeing everything in bed together on public television at prime time. Right? So, so my point is the worldly principles, things that are acceptable to the world can creep into the church and we start to think, oh, well, that's acceptable too. And it's important to recognize that we need to stick to the gospel, stick to his, the purity of the love of God. And in that, he will show us how to live. We'll go see more of that tonight. All right. So, so, so to 
so we've seen this over and over. In fact, there's a good book that, I don't know if we still have it, 2,000 Years of Charismatic Christianity, if we still have that one around. Um, not currently. But it's a, but it's a great story of, of 2,000 years since Christ died of the different charismatic movements over those time periods. And it talked a little bit about what I just shared with you uh, with real examples of real people and real, real denominations from Quakers and Anabaptists. And it takes you all the way through the Pentecostal movement and things. And, and uh, it, it's fascinating. It's just fascinating to see how God moves and then how man gets in the way. I was actually thinking about this uh, with regard to um, the Mount of Transfiguration. And if you think about it, Jesus, Peter, James, and John are at the top of the mountain, right? And, and, and suddenly, Jesus is transformed. He's bright as the, as the noonday sun. And there's Elijah and Moses with him. And, and Peter and James and John are like, whoa, dude, did you see that? You know? And so, so Peter's like, let's build tabernacles for you guys, right? And uh, so he's, he wants to build three booths, one for each one. And, 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 and then they hear this voice from God, you know, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased, hear him. In other words, don't take what you see and try to capture the moment and reduplicate it. You just listen to Jesus and, and not build three different denominations, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus in these tabernacles. No, you listen to Jesus. And can you imagine, like, immediately after God said that, then Jesus was normal, Elijah and Moses were gone. I can't imagine what John uh, and James were like. They're like, Peter, man, that was such a buzzkill. What did you say? You know, why did you bring that up? You know, we were having a moment there, and you were like, <laughs> tabernacles, where did that come from? Right? But it's just a microcosm of how, you know, these, these principles, the ideas, these traditions, you know, the, the, the festival of tabernacles was a thing. Um, that, that Peter wanted to do. But it just wasn't God's leading at the moment, right? So, so it's so important that we watch for that. And, and, the, and the enemy is so subtle and soft and seductive. And he, and he comes in and says, wouldn't that be nice? And if we add this to it, wouldn't that be even better? And how much more the world would love us if we continued in this vein? And how many more lives would hear this voice if we did it another way? But we're not listening to the head. The head may say those things too, don't get me wrong, but it's important whose voice we listen to. Anyway, so then we looked at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, and we saw some astounding statements here. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul tells us, he said, In him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, so this is the antidote to all these different things that pull us away, all these different temptations that want to draw us into another direction. It says, no, no, look at Christ. Why? Because in him is all of God, and that's all you need. That's enough. He's the creator. He's the author. He's the one who made you for a particular purpose, and you need him. So in him is where God is, not in these other ancillary, in him. The whole fullness of God. He came to earth. He put aside his glory. He came as, the, in the bond ser- in, as a bondservant in the form of a man. But then in him was the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God dwelling in him. God's temple, while Jesus walked on the earth, God dwelled in a temple. He dwelled in a tent. He dwelled in the body of Christ while Christ walked on the earth, right? In the body of Christ is where the fullness of God was. And as we mentioned last time we were together, we said, well, it's kind of easy to see God and Jesus as one and, you know, him and God and Christ, Christ and God. And that all makes perfectly good sense in the, in the great, great far away. But how does that affect me? But Paul says in verse 10, the very next birth, a verse of Colossians chapter 2, he says, and you are complete in him 
who is the head of all principality and power. So, so if the fullness of God is in Christ and we are in Christ, then the fullness of God is in, in us as the body of Christ. I, I mean, this is something that as we go about our day is so hard to, to keep in our minds because of all the things that challenge our flesh. But no, no, he's in us as the body of Christ. And, and don't think like, well, he's in the church body, but I'm just a little piano over here. I didn't get much of him. No, he's in all of us richly and fully. He's in us. He's there uh, for us to lead us and to guide us. Pastor, uh, Pastor Chris has been talking about that. Jonathan talked about it last week. Pastor Ray, there's been a message that's been pounding at us over the last, uh, probably the last six to eight months. It's exciting to think about. We have to, we have to grasp that the fullness of God is in him. In fact, uh, I was looking at that word, um, complete. It says that you are complete in him in, in verse 10. Let me read to you. Uh, in the Strong's, that word complete in, in the Strong's is the Greek word is, I don't know how to say that, but pleru, sounds like fun, pleru. <laughs> it sounds more French than Greek, I don't know how to say it. But, but here's the definition, it says to make replete. To make replete, that is literally to cram, to fill up a hollow or figuratively to furnish or to satisfy so, so it's Thayer's definition goes on to say to make full or to fill up. So you're not just completed because you're in Christ, but you are full of, chock full of, your cup overflows with him. I mean, that's just an astounding thing. And that bubbling over of who's in you should touch those around you wherever you go. Sort of like, you know, Paul's handkerchiefs or Peter's handkerchiefs, you know, full of that fullness got onto his hanky and then somebody was healed because they picked it up. That's the fullness. You are replete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So there's nothing that you have to be concerned with because he is, is in you. All right, so then, so then we talked about, well, how do we experience that, right? So we talked about last time uh, the idea of being in Christ, we were circumcised. And we talked in detail about that. Um, we won't to go into too, too much of that, but... But we were circumcised in Christ, chapter 2, verse 11 says, In him you were also crucified, with the crucifixion made without hand, uh, circumcised. I keep saying that the wrong way. Circumcised. In him you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. So we talked about that a lot. It's not done in the physical sense. I mean, it was in the Old Testament in the law. But for us as Christians, this is done in the spiritual sense. And it's a concept of putting off. We're putting off or removing uh, the carnal or fleshly veil over our hearts so that we can actually see God, first of all. Realize that the world out there has this veil still over them. So when you said, oh, man, did you see God in that situation? They're going to go, I'm not sure I believe in God. Right? They can't see him. You couldn't see him either until you said, yes, Lord. And he's been wooing you all that time. And suddenly when you said, be my Lord Jesus, that veil comes off. And you can start to see the truth of who God is. Uh, because he's taken that veil of flesh uh, off of your heart. And then he also, uh, in addition to being able to see him, he also takes away or you're putting off the old body. That, the body that followed after the sins of the flesh. That went away as well circumcised, removed, taken away. It's, uh, it's, it's now uh, circumcised, torn away, thrown away, so that now the new life in you can, can, be, can be evident, manifest. 
And then we learn, so we, in Christ we've learned we've been redeemed, we've been reconciled, we've been complete or, or replete or filled in Christ, and now uh, circumcised by Christ, now we're going to see that we've been buried with Christ in chapter 2, verse 12, buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So, so in Christ, when he was baptized, he wasn't baptized for his own sins because he didn't have any. He was baptized for your sin and for my sin, right? So, so he took care of your sin when he was baptized, and we were baptized in him. Uh, and so our own water baptism today is a, is a sacrament. It's a symbol. It's a, it's a process of acknowledging publicly what took place spiritually back in, in Christ when he was baptized, so we take that old nature and we put to death our old nature by burying him once and for all. And in replace, we receive the new nature of Christ Jesus uh, as we were raised from death of our old nature. So we see that now in Christ we were buried and then in Christ we, we died. Uh, so, so, the, so the old nature has been removed, buried, and gone. So, so how do we walk in the new nature? Why is it that such a struggle, and why does it feel like that That old nature still wants to reign in us? Well, one thing Paul tells us, it is not by adhering to a list of do's and don'ts. And this is the part that really just got me in preparing for tonight. Colossians chapter 2, and uh, verses 20 through 23. And we see, therefore, therefore, If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body. But look at this. They're of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. The, the do's and don'ts, the rules, the old nature is not going to respond to those. And, and when you think about what religion has done, we've taken the principles of God and we've made them into a list of rules. You know, it sounded like the right thing to do. And in fact, the words came from God and through the scriptures to not do this and to do that. But, but now what we've become is is spiritually lazy, and what we've said is, I don't want to hear the voice of God to lead me. I want a list of do's and don'ts. Then I can follow those, and then you go listen. Remember the, remember the Israelites at the, at the base of the mountain when they first came out of, of the, uh, to the wilderness, and, and God brought them to the base, and, and, and he came down in the thundering and lightning, and, and it's an amazing scene here. And, and the people were afraid, rightfully so. And, and, but he spoke to that whole congregation of Israelites, the Ten Commandments. He told them what he wanted them to do. And what did they do? Did they embrace that? Did they want more of him? No, no they shrunk away. And they said to Moses, no, no, you talk to God and you tell us what he said and then we'll do it. And so what happens in the church is that we ask Pastor Ray here tonight, Pastor Ray, you tell us what God said and and we'll do it. And so God said, don't, don't commit adultery. So, so we don't do that, right? Don't, don't covet. So we don't do that. Don't, don't be a glutton. 
Oh, well, most, most of us don't do that. So, so, you know, now we start to parse. But the problem is it's spiritual laziness because we're just adhering to this list of do's and don'ts. We don't understand the spirit behind it. So we're trying to put our flesh under in, in, because of the rules that have been set up, and we set up this whole structure around us to help support us in that process. And yet Paul says these regulations have no value against the indulgences of the flesh. So you might do well for a while, and then you fail. Have you ever been on a diet? I'm not going to eat that. And how long does it take, right, for most of us? I mean, some of you are better than others. But uh, for me, uh, I'm good until I see a box of Oreos, and then I'm done. Forget it, right? Uh, Mint-flavored mint Oreos, by the way, just my favorite. But not, not to lose you and all of that, but those are pretty good. Uh, so I might have this determination that I'm going to have one on the weekend. Well, no, no, it's like one box. <laughs> uh, they're, they're bad news for me. Mm. So my point in this is to say, look, you know, making these rules isn't the answer. Not to say that Paul is saying you have no restraint. He's not saying you don't need restraint. You need those guidelines. You need to understand where God is and where he's not, what he likes and what he doesn't. Um, and we also, because we have the nature now of Christ in us, he convicts us of sin. Right? We don't need a, a book you know, that says do this and don't do that. The Spirit of God is in us. He'll convict us. When you are out, when you're off base, when you're walking carnally and you shouldn't be doing things, or when you aren't listening to him when you should be doing things, the Holy Spirit inside of you will convict you of those. Not condemn, no condemnation, but he will convict. And so, and so, um, so it's important to recognize that he's going to show us what to do. But, but the point here, and this is the, the, the phrase that I wrote down as I was looking at this, it says, but we cannot turn to carnal methods of religion to force a lifestyle that comes from living in Christ in the Spirit. We cannot turn to carnal methods of religion to force a lifestyle that comes from living in Christ in the Spirit. Can you imagine telling, telling a, someone who, whose lifestyle is, is, in your mind, clearly contrary to the Word of God? We want you to come to church, but you have to change first. Like, I mean, did you guys change before you asked Jesus to be your Lord? He, you can't, right? You can't. No, you have to ask Jesus to be your Lord and then allow the Spirit of God in you to bring about the change. So again, that spiritual laziness to just sit back and say, all right, tell me what to do and what not to do, and I'll do my best to do it. After all, God knows my heart, right? We, you know, I love what Pat, uh, Lafayette, no, Edwin Lewis Cole, he would say in, in the men's meeting, he said, we... we we judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Uh, and we intended to do good. We intended not to eat that box of Oreos, but, but, but we did. Right? So, but, but my heart was right. Well, if you eat too many Oreos, your heart's not going to be right anymore. But I digress. So, so it's important to recognize. So, so here's the deal. So, so we have to realize that we've been raised with Christ. So in order to walk in this, it, it, it requires focus, it requires understanding, and it requires purpose. We need to retrain our focus on the things above, where Christ is. We read this. We're going to read it again. We need to understand that our old nature is already dead. Already dead. He has no power uh, over us. And then we need a purpose uh, uh, to live our life pleasing to God. Uh, So let's dig into that a little bit more as we go further into the book of Colossians. 
So we'll start with, uh, and we've read these scriptures in the beginning as our key scriptures, but now we're going to break them down. We'll start in chapter 3 of Colossians. Everybody with me? You're good. All right. Beautiful. Let's take a look at the first four verses. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not, not on things on the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, so this first phrase, as we started the night, if you were raised with Christ, this carries all of that chapter 1 and chapter 2 concept that you have first died in him. You can't be raised with Christ if you didn't die with him. So you have to recognize the fact that, that you died with him and were buried with him. So, so now that you're raised with him, set your mind on the things above. That's why I say rehearse the gospel. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ, that you've been redeemed and reconciled and filled. Uh, set your mind on things above where Christ is. Um, and not on things of the earth, for you, for you died. And, and the old nature that was subject to the power of darkness is dead. Right, but now your life is hidden in Christ, in 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 God. So so you died in Him, you live in Him, and when He returns for you, you will be like Him. That's the scripture that I always struggle with. How do I mean? We're so far from looking like Christ, but when we see who is in us, you know that song, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. So He's working His way out, and we need to allow Him to work His way out. But the starting of that is to know that He's in here. But as he works his way out, when he comes back for us, we'll look like him uh, in, in, in the spirit realm, not, not after the flesh. Pretty cool. So, so putting our focus there. But the key here is, again, understand the signs of the old dead nature. Recognize them and, and put off the unholy behaviors of the old man. Paul highlights these. We'll look at verse 3 through 5. These primarily could be parsed into to, uh, to the old nature in terms of the desires of our flesh. So verse 5 says, Therefore, uh, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which are idolatry. Uh, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you also once walked when, when you lived in, in them. So, so, so what, what Paul is saying, you know, put to death your, your members. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, what, put to de- I thought, wait, didn't we die with Christ? Why do we have to still put something to death? And it's not like I'm going to put to death, you know, the church members. I don't think he's talking about that, right? We're not going to put to death each other. We have to put down our members. So, so if we've died with Christ, what has to die? It's, it's our members. It's, it's the flesh that was trained under the old nature. So that old nature is now dead, but the flesh doesn't recognize the new nature. It, it was designed to flow with the old nature. And so when you read in Romans how your flesh is at enmity with God, it's, it's, at, it's, it's at odds with God because our flesh was, was trained under that old nature. But that old nature is dead. So sometimes we feel like, oh, oh here we go again, you know, another box of warriors. No, no, that old nature is dead. We, until we understand that, we have no power over that desire. 
And I use that lightly. Of course, there's much worse. But, 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 but so we have to realize that because that old nature is dead and our flesh doesn't recognize the new nature, now we have to put to death our members. And, and, and so he lists some of these here, you know, the things that our flesh wants to do, fornicate or, or unclean behavior, p- different passions, evil desires, and, and, and covetousness, which, is, which can be pretty benign sometimes, right? Sometimes it's something you really want badly and, and it's not yours and, 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 you know, it doesn't have to be some, some big bad thing like someone else's wife, but it could just be, you know, they, they have a really nice car. You know, or, or something, you know, maybe they have a booming voice. We were talking about Pastor Ray's booming voice earlier, and I'm like, I'm so jealous. So, but I can't, I'm not coveting that. I'm just giving him honor because he's been blessed with that, that booming voice. Uh, so, so these are the things that the flesh, the flesh desires, uh, and so Paul just lists a few of them. And you look at some of the other epistles, you'll see others in, in the similar kind of list that, that remind us uh, that this is the way the old nature wanted to live. And in fact, he says that by saying, look, this is the way it was when you, uh, the way it is now with the sons of disobedience. Now, who was the first of the disobedient? Adam, right? The first Adam. And Pastor Ray talked about that. So when, you, when we were part of the sons of disobedience, all of this stuff was, was if not right, it was somewhat normal and generally accepted, right? And depending on how you were raised, it was encouraged, some of it. Right, so, so, so that, uh, Paul is saying, is no, that, that's the old man. He, and your flesh was under that, under the sons of disobedience. And you once walked in them, uh, in verse 7. So, so he's saying that's where that was, but now, now you don't, don't, you're a new man now. That old man is dead. And then he goes on in, in, in chapter 3 and verse 8 through 11. Let's pick up the, 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 the letter there. He says, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Uh, Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is in all in all. So so in in, in verse 8, it starts off, if, if we have that, uh, back to verse 8, and there it is. So put off. Remember the word put off. It's that circumcision word. Put off. Just, you know, cut it away. Get rid of it once and, and for all. Uh, this is what you're to do. And these, this list here, in my mind, reminded me a little bit more uh, of the desires of the soul. Now, the soul is under the process of being renewed, but the soul under the old doctrine, the old man, was driven by the desires of the flesh, and the flesh doesn't recognize the new nature, right? So your soul, and, and Pastor Chris talked about this, the bridge to your spirit, right? So now your spirit has a new man in it. Now you've got to renew your soul. But when under the old man, these are the things that, that your soul struggled with, and these things have to be, uh, to be renewed, and we have now the Holy Spirit in us to guide us. He's our compass, as Pastor Chris has been teaching us, uh, to guide us. And our soul is in the center of our being. The will of our soul, our, our will, what we actually want to do, is the center of our soul, our will. And, and the mind, as we know, is the battlefield uh, where our will can go toward the old flesh that's dead or toward the new life in Christ. And so that battlefield needs to be renewed continually. And ultimately, our mind controls our emotions. 
doesn't seem like that. When we hear something, we react, but then the mind kicks in and says, okay, calm down, let's get the rest of the facts, and we can walk this out. Right, so this emotions is all tied in with the soul. And so these are the things he's talking about. And I'll go through quickly uh, on some of these um, as, we, as we understand. And, and, and the, the idea here tonight is to, to recognize, you know, when is the old man trying to become dominant again? That, de- that old man is dead. That old nature is gone. Remind yourself continually. He's gone. But because of the flesh and the unrenewed part of our soul still wants to have its day. And we have the opportunity to crucify that daily and not allow it because the Spirit of God is living in us. Not because the Word says, do this, don't do that, but because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. All right, so anger is the first one. Uh, We see it's an emotion. Anger is an emotion. And it's typically stimulated by either a perceived or a real circumstance. Now listen, anger, anger can be a good thing. You know, God gets angry. Uh, and anger can be a good thing when you see something that's, that's righteously out of place. Uh, somebody t- says something that's completely wrong about the God you love or about the wife you're married to. You know, that's going to stir up some anger. So anger isn't a bad thing uh, unless, unless you allow it uh, to get out from under the leading of, your Holy, of the Spirit that's in you. Right? God gets angry, Jesus, but he never loses control. We have to put it off when it becomes more of us than the worship and the love of God. Anger has to have its place. Never go to let the sun go down on your, on your anger, right, uh, and, and as a husband and wife. So, so you want to make sure that anger is an emotion that's subject to your spirit. Um, but wrath, wrath is, is sort of an, an exacerbated form of anger. That's the next one on the list, right, also an emotion. But, but this one has strong reactions to it. It's, it can be uh, like some rage or, or revenge in there. Now, now, God also has wrath, right, but God never loses control, you know, the, he, his wrath is poured out. But when his wrath is poured out, it's poured out for a purpose. And the purpose is always to preserve the righteous seed of Christ and to make life better for those who receive Christ and ultimately uh, respond, uh, receive the kingdom uh, in heaven. So, so his, he has wrath as well, but he, again, he keeps that under his control. He never allows that emotion to go uh, outside of that. On the other hand, when we're in wrath, and we think about the things you've done when you've been super angry, right? Some of the things you might have said, maybe you threw a few things, broke a few things, um, offended some people. You know, when, when wrath comes on us, we need to recognize that's a response of the old man looking for um, vindication. And God is the one who, who, who can vindicate. And then there's Malice. So this is also a word not often used, at least in my daily conversations. <laughs> so this is a desire to cause pain. So, so you're so angry now, you want to inflict some injury, uh, cause some distress or harm on someone else. Uh, so obviously this is all about the old man who's dead. He has no power in you anymore. But when you sense you're in that place of malice, you are in the wrong place. Uh, and you need to be looking to the Spirit of Christ who will convict you of this and help you to overcome it. Blasphemy is an interesting one. Uh, you know, why does that fit with all these emotions of the spirit because of, uh, be, uh, of the old flesh? Because we think of blasphemy as just saying, you know, you know God darn it, you know, or some, some crazy way we would use God's name in vain, and that's what we think of as blasphemy. But there's much more to, the, to this act. It's, it's really, a, it, what it means is it's insulting God. Blasphemy is showing contempt or lack of reverence for God. Uh, you know, years ago, I can remember 
being in a meeting where, where people at work would be like, oh, Jesus Christ, that happened again. You know, after a while, I, I, got, I got tired of that. And I said to the to team, I said, listen, I believe in Jesus Christ. You know, I appreciate it if you, you know, find another expression. And, and you know what? Since then, this has been now like 15 years, I, I don't hardly ever hear it, even with the new folk. So the word's kind of getting around, you know, careful how you say that. Now, now the other expression that's becoming more popular, uh, which I'm not sure what to do with is, you know, guys, we got to come together. We've got a problem. We've got to have one of those come to Jesus moments and get this fixed. You know, it's like, well, well, wait a minute. Do you have any idea what you're saying here? So it's one that I haven't really quite figured out how to address because like, I've had one of those, those moments. It had nothing to do with this work situation, but let me tell you about it, right? So there's a time and a place when, when you want to witness like that. Um, but, but, but to say that casually, or, or even, oh, my God, you know, so casual and simple and benign as that shows your, res- your, your disrespect, uh, insulting, and contempt for God. And out of the old nature, this was just common practice, everyday language. It's how we talked, right? It was no big deal. But it's because we didn't know God. That veil is still over our heart. We were uncircumcised in, in our heart. So now that we can see that, now we need to recognize that, and we need to speak properly. So if, our, if we hear our voice saying such things, uh, recognize them and put those down, right? So, so if it's done irreverently, we've got to make corrections for that. Uh, you know, another way that we can blaspheme God is, is if we had a prayer, we were intensely in prayer about something, and in whatever we thought was going to happen didn't happen. Where does your attitude go? God, where were you? God, you let me down. God, I thought your word said. And now listen, there's a way to have an argument with God that's reverent and respectful, and you, it's okay to do that. But if you're just like, God, you suck. If that's what you sound like, you know, that's blasphemy, right? So you can get in that attitude without, you know, without even realizing it because you've been let down or disappointed or frustrated. That's blasphemy. So, so avoid that. And then, of course, filthy language out of the mouth. You know, uh, if we're the body of Christ on the earth, we, we want to represent him well, and getting into that carnal kind of talk is not a good idea. So, so these, were, these were soulish activities uh, that are of the old one, but the old one is gone, Dead, buried, put off, right? And now we're putting on uh, the, the new one, uh, the, new, the new nature that's in Christ. So in verse 9 uh, of chapter 3, uh, we see, uh, I don't know, did we read verse 9 already? Maybe not. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. So obviously, lying comes from the old man, Right? And, uh, and so, so don't do that, you know. If you say you're going to come over and help break the leaves, come over and help break the leaves, right? And I know some of you have more, more leaves than others. Uh, so, so, you know, don't lie to one another. You know, be honest. Uh, if Jesus is the truth and we are his body on the earth, we need to be the truth, right? Don't lie to one another. Um, be, because we put off the old, the old man uh, with his deeds. And we have the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So, so verse 10 says, look, once again, Put on Christ because you need to be renewed in the knowledge according to and in the image of the one who created you uh, and the one who created him. And then in verse 11 uh, of chapter 3, it says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. So we need to see one another, not after the flesh any longer. Uh, We need to see each other uh, after the spirit who is Christ. Right? So when, when we look at one another, uh, we, we're not worried about whether you're a, a Jew or a Christian or, or Gentile or whether you're 
you know, in the lowest part of, of economic scale or super rich or, or, or whoever you are, if you're, whatever your race is, or you're tall or short or bald or full of hair, whatever it is, uh, we need to see each other after the spirit man because this flesh is ultimately perishing and going away. But the spirit man is the one that lives forever with the renewed soul. So, so it's just so important that we, we start to see things in a new light, right? So, so it's important that we... we, we purpose to please God by not lying, by recognizing everybody in, in, in the body of Christ. And so now we have this new you. So the old one is dead. We've established that fact. We're, we're saying, yeah, we, we agree. That old one he has no, no power over us anymore. He's dead. And now we need, need to live a new way. And so we see this, uh, Paul starting to spell this out uh, in verse 12. And we'll read on through to 13. Therefore, as the elect of God... Now, so, all right, let me read it first. <laughs> Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. Not put off. Remember, put off was the circumcision. Put on now tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. So, so now what we're starting to feel is, okay, now, now we're getting into that, that, that legalism thing again. Now we're getting into do this, don't do that. No, but he says, therefore, in verse 12, therefore, because or since you already died, your old man. You're already buried with Christ. You've already been raised with Christ. You're already the elect of God. You're already holy and beloved, and you're setting your mind on things above where Christ is. And, and by the way, he's not only above, he's not far away, but, but he's, he's, he's in you. You are complete or replete, filled up with him. Um, let me give you a couple of scriptures there uh, as we bring this home. Uh, Colossians 1.27, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. This is Colossians, the same book we're talking about in chapter 1. Among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. So he, he, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but he's also in us. Romans 8, 10 and 11. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead. I'm going to say that again. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness, his righteousness. Next verse. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Which body of yours is your mortal body? The mortal means that it can die. We have mortality, right? So the mortal body is the, the body here. He's not talking about your resurrected body. What he's saying is because Christ lives in this body where the old man used to live, now the new man lives, now he can breathe the life of God into your new man, into your, your current mortal body, and he can live like Christ on the earth. It's not, it's, it, 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 it's not trained to be that way, but if you teach it to by allowing only the Spirit of God to lead you, you can make your body do what Christ wants it to do. That old man has no power over you. Can I say that again and again? Um, so, so therefore, you know, since, since that, that all of this has taken place and Christ is now in you because of these things, now let's go back to Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Therefore, 
as the elect of God, holy, beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. These sounds like the fruits of the Spirit that Pastor Chris talked about, right, in a different way. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. Can you imagine, can you imagine a, an unbeliever who's still uncircumcised in heart? They can't see God, but when they come in here, they can see the love of God because we're not bickering with each other. We're not sitting on one side or the other side. We're, we're, we're not thinking of you as one way and you as another way. And, oh, you offended me six years ago. I'm not talking to you. No, no, we're, we're together in one body in Christ. And the love of God is exuding out of us. So when they walk in, they can't see God, but they can see him in us. They can sense him in us. In fact, when we first came to this church, that was one of the senses we had was welcome home. This is where God is. And, and we had that sense. And, and, and the, we used to have up here, remember, the church that love is building? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Now, I had already been born again, so my eyes were open to the things of God. But, but an unbeliever can also sense these things. So it's so important that we walk, not just for our own sake or for the sake of our brothers and sisters, but for the sake of those who encounter us. How else are we going to stand out and be different from the Elks Club or, or some other paternal or social structure? It's the love of Christ. They'll know we're Christians by our love, one for another. That's what he's saying. But he's saying we're not going to do this because we're told to do it. Oh, I love you, brother, because I'm told to, but really I hate your guts. No, no. We're going to do it because Christ lives in us and he lives in me and he lives in you. It's the same spirit. You guys have experienced this. You find somebody in an airport or a store or somewhere, you find out it's a Christian, and all of a sudden you're like, you felt a tenderness to that person more than your own family member. This is an amazing thing, the Spirit of Christ. Stir ourselves up in these things. Tender mercies, but his tender mercies. Kindness, his kindness. Humility, his humility. His meekness, his long-suffering. If anyone set the example, it was Christ our Lord. And uh, so we need to put him on and walk in those things. And now watch this. Um, this is what our new life in Christ looks like while we're on the earth. And uh, we'll wrap up with this, Colossians 3, uh, 14 to 17. <clears throat> but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You know, in Christ, there's no imp- in God, there's no imperfection. In Christ, there's no imperfection. How many of you feel like there's no imperfection in you? Not, none of us, right, in the natural but if we put on his love, that's the bond that brings that perfection together. His love, which has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Put on the bond of perfection, verse 15, and the peace of God. Whoa, does the world need peace? Not, uh, not as the mind can understand peace, but the peace of God. Let that rule in your hearts. When, when you read the news and see the headlines and see everything going on, and somebody at work starts to talk to you about such things, don't ignore what's going on, but speak about it with a peace, with a calmness. I can't believe who they put in as a speaker of the house. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting choice. Where are your concerns? What, how should we handle that? You know, just, what are the conversations you're going to have? Don't get all riled up and get into anger and wrath leading to malice. We talked about that. That old man's dead. No, you're going to walk in peace, right? Put on. Uh, let that peace rule in your hearts. No matter what the calamity is, you may be encountering a personal calamity, but there's a peace in you. Draw on that peace, and it'll help you manage and navigate that calamity. Um, so 
let the, verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. There's that unity that we're, we're being called to. And be thankful. And let the word, let the word, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. How many words do we meditate on, chew on that we heard from media, we heard it from a friend? Do you know what he said to me seven years ago? Man, that pissed me off. Right? And we chew on it, meditate. No, no, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, which says, forgive others so I can forgive you. Right? Let his words dwell in you. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Can you again imagine this, this body of believers all around the globe and right here in this building where we come in with a song in our heart? You know, I mean, a song that worships God, a song that gives him glory, and a song that lifts each other up. And we said, you know, have you read this psalm lately? Have you read this? Have you seen this poem by this wonderful Christian sister? Have you, and you just have this, this, this heart-filled, spirit-filled, light-hearted, light in your eyes because there's a song in your heart, a spiritual song, a hymn. This is where we should be now. This is where we should be now. And, and when you come in on Sunday, bring that with you. And, oh, man, this place is just going to explode with worship, right? Because we know who we are. We know that old man's dead. We know who lives in us now. We know what the gospel says about us. And we are here to give him thanks and to worship him. Man, we got to get renewed to these things. Because this is where, this is how Jesus walked on the earth. He had stuff going on all around him. He was confronted with, his disciples were doing this, he, you know, and his, his family was accusing him. He had stuff. We all have stuff. But how did he handle it? He walked in love. He put on the peace of God. He had a psalm in his heart. He prayed. He spent time with the Father. And so, and whatever he did in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, so no matter what your endeavor is, do it unto him. You know, if you have the, meaning, the, 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 the least of tasks at work, if you've got to rake the leaves under the oak tree, do it for him. Say, I want my yard to look clean for him. And uh, he made this oak tree, but he should help me clean it up, but I'm going to do it for him, right? Uh, do everything, the big jobs and the small jobs, do it for his glory. And that will help you keep your eyes above the fray, above the challenges, above the work and the, the issues that are ahead. And we will be able to walk as he walked. You've been redeemed You've been uh, reconciled, you've, been, you've died, you've been buried, you've been raised, and you are replete in Christ. Meditate on these things, and that old man will no longer have dominion over you. That old nature will no longer rise up. You'll start to look like Jesus, and people will see it, and they'll know it, and they'll ask you, what's different? And you'll have a chance to give God the glory for it. Father, thank you for the word tonight. You've stirred us up and encouraged us, Lord. Whew. Help us to know it's not by do's and don'ts, but it's by your Spirit who's in us. Help us to know who we are when we get up in the morning, throughout our day, when we lay our heads down at night, with everyone we encounter in every circumstance, in every situation. We're your children. 
You're the firstborn of many brethren. We're your brother of Jesus. We're part of your body. Hmm. Help us to walk that out, my God. We give you thanks for the leading, the compass, the guidance of the Holy Spirit within us to do just that as we renew our minds every day to these truths and walk them out anew for your good pleasure and for your will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.